Welcome to the Legally Speaking Podcast, powered by Kasun Carr. I'm your host, Rob Hanna. This week, I'm joined by Lenny Ibanez, who is a diversity leader, international change maker, and female youth empowerment mentor. Lenny has spoken in the House of Commons and was awarded the very first scholarship in the Women's Empowerment for the Miranda Braun Diversity Leadership Foundation in 2018 for her leadership. Lenny is passionate about driving change in the legal space and moving the needle forward, not only in London, but globally. She wishes to help towards the progression in the inclusion of global citizens internationally. So Lenny, welcome. Thank you, Rob. What a wonderful introduction. Thanks so much. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's all true. It's all true. Um, I must start with the all important question for the Legally Speaking podcast listeners. On the scale of one to 10, 10 being very real, how real do you rate the TV series Suits? Because Suits is one of my favorite um, TV shows. I must say it's as much of a 10 as Harvey Specter. Okay. Okay. So we're back to a 10. That's interesting. So last week we had uh, a one from, from James Breeze saying that he's yet to meet a, uh, a secretary as good as Donna. And the week before that we had a 10. So we're still delivering near the, near the 10. Um, so it'll probably be good for you to sort of tell us a bit more about your impressive background and, and sort of what you've, you've been up to. So tell us a bit more about you. I was born and raised in the Philippines until I was nine. We moved to Canada and have spent most of my life there until my recent move here to London, nearly two years now. Okay. And um, why London, people always ask. So um, my brother was living in Germany at the time and he said, why don't you come to move to Europe with me as much as I love Germany? I said, um, I don't think it's quite the right place for me. So I took a trip around Europe and London really called to me. And funny enough, it was because of how diverse London was. Really? Okay. Well, we're definitely going to talk lots about diversity as today's topics, obviously about diversity dodgers and, you know, really trying to talk about getting and raising awareness in that space, particularly in the legal sector. Um, But I want to take a step back. Canada, never been, always wanted to go. Where do I need to go? What's there to do? Well... First of all, Canada, we're not known for, you know, tropical weather. So (laughs) don't worry, we're not going to hear either. Right now, it's actually it's just started snowing there. My family's told me that it's just nonstop snow. And I was saying, I don't miss those days of just nonstop plowing the driveway and the walkways as good of a workout as that is. Yeah, I'd rather go to the gym and do something else. So if if you're going to go to Canada, unfortunately, I would never recommend to come in the summertime. Come experience the winter because that's what we're known for. Okay, good. Well, I'm a lover of the outdoors, so I'm, I'm in for that and seeing what's in store. So in terms of diversity, you know, everyone has their own sort of view and opinion on that. But for you, why is diversity particularly important and even more so in the, in the legal sector? Yeah, so diversity in the general sense has been important to me as I've experienced the need for it um, throughout my life, socially and professionally. And the need for inclusion in a globalized world is so, so important, I think. And um, having gone through the lack of it in the past, especially. So being a child from an immigrant family, moving to a very strange country where everything is different. I've had to really struggle with, do I try to fit in or do I try to stand out? And... um, And which one are you? I've, well, you know what? I've really tried to fit in. And then until honestly, recently, my move to London has made me emerge into this person that's like, well, you know what, I am different. And that's what makes me me. And it's I've kind of come into full acceptance with that. And then seeing how diverse London is, that's really why I feel like this is the place for me. 
Yeah, I, I totally agree. I love London. There's so many different facets to it. There's so many different sort of cultural diverse aspects to the whole whole city in itself. So um, yeah, I totally get where, where you're coming from. Um, in terms of your role, you do so much, particularly in diversity. But for people that are probably quite new to sort of the term diversity leader, and I know it can mean different things to different people, but what does that mean in terms of your role and what have you been involved in? So for the diversity leader aspect, it involves not only seeing the need for a diverse and inclusive world for all of us, but also walking that walk, not just talking the talk. Mm. And um, it means that taking action in every way that we can to help with the progression, whether that means by joining a society, volunteering for a non-for-profit cause, assisting with some pro bono work or carving your own path that you feel very passionately about that you think will make a change or a difference. For me, I fell into the diversity space the day I heard a brilliant woman called Dr. Miranda Braun speak at an event for the Women's Network. She spoke so passionately about diversity and which really resonated with me. So since then, she's become my mentor and a very dear friend. And um, through her diversity foundation, the, the Miranda Braun Diversity Foundation, I won the scholarship for the female empowerment and have become a part of the foundation family since. And I've been partaking directly and indirectly in the initiatives. And then um, I want to just kind of put a quote there, actually, that um, from Miranda's lecture this year. So it was a really, really great speech that she had. And um, if for those of you listening, if there are any takeaways that I would want anybody, you guys to have, it would be these three things. She said, diversity is having a seat at the table. Inclusion is having a voice, but she also introduced the notion of belonging. This is something we haven't heard of as we only know of the two terms above. She mentioned belonging is having a voice to be heard. And I think the combination of these three are so powerful that if we all implemented this at our workplaces or anywhere else, we can really assist in our own ways to make this progression, especially in the global world that we currently live in. Okay. That's really powerful. That is really, really insightful. And thanks for sharing that, Lenny. I'm sure a lot of people that will resonate with listening in. I'm sure, you know, that particular belonging piece is something that, again, that maybe people just are not so aware of. So it's great that, you know, people like yourself, people like Miranda are out there really sort of championing that. Yeah. So this year's theme was use your voice for inclusion and more next generation leaders such as myself were awarded with scholarships mm -hmm. and um, and they've joined the foundation family. So check out the website and anyone pursuing an education can apply for the scholarships next year or at attend the lecture as well, where I may or may not be the co-host again. <laughs> come on, come on. Are you being modest? Is that going to be happening or not happening? Well, it may or may not be. So I'm just kind <laughs> of putting it out there. Well, all of us from Legally Speaking hope that you uh, you get there. How about that? You do so much in terms of other pro bono volunteering schemes. I know you've been part, for example, of the Tony Blair Institute for Global Change. I know you've established uh, the University of Law. You've done various programs for that society regarding diversity but you know what are you most passionate about what which one of those have you most enjoyed or which one of those do you most enjoy yeah well that's a really hard thing to pick between all of them yeah. because all are very near and dear to my heart so the international student society is like my baby okay <laughs> i established that in wanting to have a network in a community for people such as myself because i moved here to london not knowing a single soul it was a rough few months. I mean, I met friends and met people because that just comes naturally to me. However, I really wanted to connect with people who had the same issues, the same troubles and the same thoughts and, you know, journey that I did. Mm. And really, I wanted to find my tribe. And yeah. by um, founding the International Student Society, I really think that I have done that. And um, I've 
created a great network for everybody to connect and share ideas, um, network and just build a community for, for everybody here. Okay. Tell us more about the uh, Tony Blair Institute. Sounds really interesting. Yeah. So it is a, the Tony Blair Institute for Global Change. I stumbled upon that when I was looking for more pro bono work during the summer. Mm -hmm. And, um, Unfortunately, because the mentoring program is for school-aged um, teenagers, I couldn't do it over the summer, but I did apply for the September and it had just started. It's the Compass Mentoring Program works to empower young women who are affected by extremism in London and Luton areas. And um, they pro we provide support and guidance to help the youth build their resistance and provide a sense of identity in society due to destructive ideologies. So I actually mentor a group of fabulous young ladies uh, who are the age of 14 in a school in Luton. Okay. And really, we help them to make goals, how to reach their goals and things that you don't really learn in school. So again, this is this is sort of ironic that I won the female empowerment scholarship because this is tied into that. And empowering the youth is something that's really, really near and dear to my heart. I mean, I come from a big family, family of eight for you guys who don't know. <laughs> and um, I've had lots of nieces and nephews and yeah. um, helping raise all of them. It's been really helping empower and, and mentor these kids from a really young age. So that's something that I've had training in. So these girls, we for the six month program, uh, we mentor them once a month. We teach them to really build their self-confidence, reach for their goals and um, how to accomplish their goals, maybe be it short term, long term. And these are skills they are going to carry throughout their life. So I think it's such a brilliant, brilliant thing. And this is just one of the schemes that the foundation does because they do um, the Tony Blair Institute does a whole bunch of things globally. Wow. And that's what's really impressive because you do everything from sort of grassroots right the way up to the senior spectrum in the diversity scale. So I think that's what's um, really refreshing is that you're, you're sort of educating youth, but you're sort of carrying that through to sort of mid-jobbers and right the way up to the top. So, you know, good on you. Thank you. <laughs> okay. And from when you're talking to law firms, meeting with various people in the legal profession, what have you seen as actually some of the positive changes um, from law firms with regards to diversity over the past few years? Like you said, you've come into London, you love love the whole fact that it's a big city based on inclusion, diversity, but what have you actually seen that is actually seen as some positive steps forward? Well, what I've seen and I've been really been impressed with are a lot of law firms that are taking actual departments or groups aside from, you know, just paid work where they have a multicultural network or a diversity group and they have heads of diversity and it's an actual, you know, some people it's their actual paying job and some people it's something they do outside of work because it's something that they believe is really important, which is really impressive. And I'm really glad to see. Yeah. Okay. Well, that is great to see, as you say. And what tips would you have maybe for some law firms that maybe aren't as advanced with that, that you think might be good for them to look at in terms of ways of improving their diversity initiatives? Yeah, that's really funny that you asked me that, Rob, because one of my old colleagues in the banking sector in Canada has reached out to me this weekend and said, wow, I've seen your profile and you're just completely smashing it in diversity. Um, we're looking to incorporate yeah. that in our workplace. Can you give us some tips? So it's sort of related to that. And I was yeah. just like, wow, you're really asking me for that. But um, one of the things that I would say, and as is a starter, is that, and it's a common, it's a common theme really in diversity and inclusion is that it's, a policy that people have, it's something that people think they need to tick the box, especially yeah. when you're, um, I've experienced it myself in applying for jobs where they say, you know, are you a member of an ethnic 
minority or are you disabled and all of that? And it's like they want to tick the boxes. They want to have, you know, they want to hire their BAME representatives so that in their photos, it looks like, look at us, we're inclusive. We've got, you know, each, each person represented here and things like that. But however, it's not just for marketing, good for marketing. It's not just good for PR and something that Miranda has also said in her lecture. It's not just good for social media. It's also good for business Mm. to have everybody from a diverse background to really provide different perspectives. Um, Diversity is a very serious topic, but, you know, let's have fun as well, you know. So, you know, you've been to tons of events. What have been some of your sort of funny stories or some of the funny things you've seen at some of these events or over your time, particularly in this space? Yeah. um, Well, I mean, with everything that I do, it's the one funny thing is that people are like, oh, yeah. So are you a lawyer? What do you do? And I sit there and I'm like, where do I start? What do I say? (laughs) You've done so much. Yeah, without sounding so pigheaded or whatnot. And I'm just like, do I just pick one? And I say, usually I say, well, I wear many different hats. Firstly, you know, I'm this and that and, and the other thing. And people are just like, okay, I just, I just ask one question, you know, <laughs> <laughs> chill out. <laughs> yeah, fair, fair. Okay. And then in terms of people hearing about things, are there, you've mentioned a few sort of events, but are there platforms, if people want to know more, particularly in the legal space um, or research into firms and what they're doing aside from sort of their law firm websites? Is there anything you would sort of push people towards or to sort of go and check out? Personally, because um, the the Miranda Braun Foundation is close to my heart, check out the website mbdiversityleadershipfoundation.com. So if you want to be a part of the lecture next year, apply for a scholarship and see what we're doing in that space, definitely check that out. Um, Really just looking at hashtag diversity on LinkedIn is a good one. Okay. Um, and then a lot of the law firms, I've seen a lot of the big law firms here doing really amazing things in diversity. A lot of them have groups. Recently, one of the events at Reed Smith that I went to, I was really impressed with what they do. They have a multicultural network. Oh, wow. They put on events internally and externally. And that's how I got invited there. They had an, a diversity summit, which I just missed. That's actually how I got onto the roster to get invited to their exclusive events. So that's definitely a firm that I would recommend to people if they're looking to get into that legal space. But a lot of them will have a, a tab on diversity on their websites, and that's good to look at. And then from there, you can also get in touch with them, try to see what events they're having for recruitment or just for general interest. Okay. And everyone talks about Vision 2020. Um, you know, I don't think I've met a business owner or someone in their own life who's got this big Vision 2020. But for you, in terms of what you've got planned and what are your goals for 2020 and what are you hoping to achieve for, for the diversity in, in the legal space? Okay, so always bigger and better when it, when it's a new year, right? Everyone has all these big goals and big dreams and I'm no different. So 2020, so for the International Student Society, we I have a full team of executives who are so passionate about diversity that I've brought on there and we're looking to bring really big events to that actually combines the Moorgate and the Bloomsbury, uh, Bloomsbury campus this year. So we've got bigger events, not just socials, which we've started to roll out, but we're, we also put on formal events in which we bring in speakers from law firms, people, legal professionals to help everybody at the University of Law who's trying to achieve their goals and network with professionals and really get into the space. Okay. Sounds very exciting. 
And you mentioned, obviously, we mentioned at the top of the um, the episode that, you know, not just London, but globally, that we're trying to really kind of shift this movement and raise awareness. So do you want to talk a bit more about that from a sort of more global standpoint on, on sort of initiatives or things that you, you've got in the pipeline or, or ongoing? Absolutely. I'm part of a lot of networks that do events globally and have kind of that global vision. So even the Miranda Braun Diversity Foundation, we joke around about having, you know, running it from all over the world and maybe someday we're all going to be in different parts of the world and having the the lecture yes. virtually and just you know taking it that far and like I said I'm between here and Canada every so often so I want to roll it out to people in my networks there uh, the International Student Society I have people from all over the world and I think after the society after I'm no longer the um president of the society I still want to continue on and you know everybody kind of still goes beyond the original society and have socials and just have networks that we've built that strong globally. Okay. Okay. And, you know, I thought I'd made it when I was making a speech in the Supreme Court a few weeks ago, but then you usurped me by, you know, being a regular speaker in the House of Commons, which, oh, you know, <laughs> is, uh, is some feat. So, you know, congratulations, but tell people Thank more you. about that. How did that come about? And again, cause that was all related to the good work you do, right? Yeah. I mean, you killed that speech, Rob. So I, I, I don't, I can't even say I've topped that. So this is me giving Lenny five pounds. You can't yeah. see, but it's definitely happening. Okay. Thank you. But this is your moment. So tell us more. Well, again, this was through the foundation and, um, because Miranda mentors me and, um, has asked me to co-host the first summer event there in which we were invited by Mr. Speaker John Burko himself. And he was there. What's he like? Is he as charismatic as he's on the TV? He is. He's, he's a really cool guy. Yeah. <laughs> really chatty. So he loves the colored ties, right? He does. That's what he's known for. Yeah yeah, yeah. 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 It was really generous of him to invite us. And it was such a beautiful event. We had musical guests there and, um, we had, some really good speakers as well. And, um, that's the first of many. So, like I said, we're going to have so many amazing events like that. So definitely keep an eye out and I will be blasting all of those out as well. Some of the events that I'm involved in and some of the causes that I'm going to be a part of. Okay. And look, everyone has a bit of downtime. Um, I'm boring everyone week by week by the fact that I'm trying to keep fit, um, with my, my sort of stuff outside of work. But for you, what do you get up for fun outside of work and what's keeping you busy? Okay. Aside from all of the stuff that I really put out there, um, what keeps me busy? Well, food is a big part of my family and my culture. So really favorite cuisine. Favorite cuisine. Oh, I can't pick just one. So I have to pick top three. Okay. Top three. <laughs> Italian, Japanese, and Mexican. Okay. I have to, I have to put a plug in that I've just recently got back from Japan. I was out there for the rugby world cup. I'm still gutted. We didn't beat South Africa, but it was amazing to be there. And the food is just off the charts out there. Right. I was super jealous when you told me about that. I was just like, all I thought of was ramen and sushi. And I was like, really? <laughs> <laughs> That's what you're going to go do over there and watch rugby. How amazing is that? <laughs> yeah. But no, I'm definitely a big lover of food as, as, as well. Um, and is there anything else as we sort of look to kind of wrap up, you know, bringing it back to to the legal world? You know, it's, it's a complex beast, the, the legal sector in general. Um, but what do you would what would you say law firms can do to make more of an impact with regards to to change in, in diversity to almost lead the way? You know, but generally, what do you think more can be done as sort of some snippets to maybe get people thinking? Diversity more so in the legal sector is so important because 
as legal professionals having the moral duty and integrity to adapt the rule of law, it would be hypocritical if the people we count on to defend what's right and wrong are not living that truth. So having everybody from diverse backgrounds be part of the discussions, bring um, welcoming everybody's ideas, implementing those and making everybody feel welcome is is really diversity and inclusion. And that's just the tip of the iceberg right there. Yeah. Yeah, well said. I totally agree. And I think that's a you know, very valid point. And for one to, you know, law firms and legal sector to be mindful of. And Lenny, I need to ask about the Philippines. We talked about Canada, but that's somewhere again that I need to kind of be jet setting off to. Um, where's the best place to go? Oh, goodness. I'm so sad to say this, Rob, but because I was only there till I was nine, I sadly have not explored the Philippines as much as I'd want to. I I actually have a friend who's going to see all the beautiful islands. And I was really jealous because I said I haven't even seen them. So, I mean, Boracay is one that has a beautiful sands, really nice beaches. And but that one's very touristy. Yeah. Coron is the one that, you know, is the diving and um, surfing and all of that. And Cebu is one that's really, really nice to see. Palawan has the nice caves. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so this is all not firsthand experience, but yeah. all on my list and things I've been recommended myself. So one day, one day I'll be able to give more sound advice. So Lenny, what advice would you give to people who are looking to get into the legal profession or maybe at the more junior spectrum with regards to their legal career, with regards to diversity? Yeah, Rob, that's actually a question I get asked quite a bit through um, the International Student Society at the University of Law or just people I come across who are young um, people aspiring or are in their careers. And uh, one of the things that uh, we've done last year at the International Society and one of our very successful events that we've brought on um, people who have successfully got training contracts with really big firms is that... um, how to really get into these roles and competing with, you know, UK nationals. And uh, one of the things that was really powerful and one of the best advice that I myself would give and that everybody had given is to really see being uh, somebody from a diverse background as your strength rather than your weakness. And that was really empowering because for myself, I used to think that was my downfall. And um, because and again, it ties into Miranda's three rules, because for me, I know what it's like to not have a seat at the table because I was different. I was a minority and I felt like I didn't belong and I didn't feel like I, you know, me competing with with the people in the labor market was made, you know, made it almost impossible. And then um, really using using that your voice for inclusion, because for me, I wasn't included. I didn't use my voice and I had to conform. But really playing that's that's your strength and that's what you need to play up and that's what you bring to the table. So um, and then again, belonging. So you want to everyone is looking for a culture and a place to belong. And um, that's really important. So do the research on that, because don't we all just want to belong? Well said. Well said. Couldn't agree more. Okay, great. Well, I think the motto there is celebrate being you, right? Celebrate being individual and and enjoy it. I think, Lenny, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on today. Um, I think everyone listening is going to take away a lot of insights from that. But for those of you who are more sort of social media savvy, do you want to give a shout out to all your sort of things where people can follow you on social media? Yeah, for sure. Well, before I do that, Rob, thank you again for making this dream come true because I'm such an avid podcast listener, not only to our newly launched podcast here, but... um, 
also to many other podcasts that are informative and thought provoking and motivational. So thank you. And I've always said, I either want to launch my own podcast one day or be be on one. So thanks for featuring me. This is, this has been such a pleasure and an honor. Our absolute pleasure. (laughs) So you can find me on LinkedIn, Lenny Ibanez, L-E-N-I-E. Surname is I-B-A-N-E-Z. And I can provide you with the other links to my other social media or a lot of the things that I'm doing in the other spaces there. Thanks a lot, Rob. Cheers. So yeah, thanks for coming and uh, over and out.